but I, I, I feel led to go to the book of Genesis chapter 1. You could probably quote it, I'm sure. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. Just one verse this morning. It's a good beginning. In the beginning, God. <laughs> he was already there. Scientists look for a pre-existing cause. He is the pre-existing because he is eternal. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'd like to title this message this morning a simple subject, a <clears throat> transcendent God. We serve a transcendent God. We worship a transcendent God. How many don't know what transcendent means? couple hands well that'll be my responsibility to try to help you understand what that means before we're through this morning would you help me pray that and ask God to talk to us and deal with hearts and minds and souls in this place God we love you we thank you for your goodness thank you for your word that is forever settled God I pray and ask for the unction of the Holy Ghost one more time to move upon me speak to us and through us give us ears to hear in hearts to gladly receive what thus saith the word of God this morning. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. And let the church say amen. 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 You may be seated. <clears throat> I could spend some time this morning. I don't have a lot of time because it's almost afternoon. But I could talk about the ontological approach. We could talk about the teleological approach. But I, I do want to talk about the cosmological approach just for a second cosmology not cosmetology there is a huge difference between the two cosmology is the science or the study of the beginning of things it's the beginning it's the study of beginning of things where did we come from what is our origin where did the things in this world in this universe come from <clears throat> the argument in cosmology as two premises followed by a conclusion. The first premise is everything that begins to exist has a cause. Everything that begins to exist has a cause, has a transcendent, a supernatural cause. That's the first premise. The second premise is that the universe that we live in has a cause. So the conclusion is if everything that exists has a cause and the universe exists, therefore the universe must also have a cause. We can conclude this morning that the universe and everything within it, the planets, the suns, the moon, the stars, people, the grass, the trees, the rivers, the oceans, the mountains, everything in the universe has a transcendent or supernatural cause. Whatever, or should I say, whomever created the universe must be outside the space continuum that we're living in. Whoever created the universe this morning or today, we're looking at it, whoever created it must be outside of time, Space and matter. Some skeptics ask the question, well then who made God? 
your God has to be made, then you got a problem. I wouldn't worship that one. I worship a God that has always been and always will be. I worship a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I didn't have to make my God. I didn't put my God on a shelf this morning. You can't knock my God off his shelf this morning. Amen. I worship the one true living God. Praise God. God is... A transcendent God. He's an eternal God. The definition of transcendent, for those of you that raised your hands and were honest today, and for those that didn't know the definition but did not raise your hands and just didn't want anybody to know that you didn't know what transcendent is, here is your definition. The definition of transcendent is to be above and beyond normal human experience. It means... To it's existing apart from, and I love this, this is so good, existing apart from and not subject to the limitations of the material universe. <clears throat> Our God is a transcendent God because he is not limited by time. <laughs> He's not limited by space. And he's not limited by the things that you see. By the matter in this universe. He's not limited by what we think really matters. Oh my goodness, I could preach on that a while. See, our God is an eternal spiritual being. He is a spiritual force. Before time, before space, before matter, he was. He said, I am the I am. I am that I am. Moses said, who do I tell Pharaoh? Because he's serving all kinds of gods. You tell him the I am, the eternal, the one that doesn't sit on your shelf. Let me just kind of fast forward a little bit. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and he said, I am the same I am. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. He's God manifested in the flesh. The eternal spiritual being took on the form of a man. And his name is Jesus. And he's still not limited by time, space, or matter. Praise God. In the beginning of the Bible. I find this awesome. This is the Bible. This is the word of God. Can somebody say amen? In the beginning, time. God created the heavens, space, and the earth, everything that matters. God created time, space, and matter. It all began to exist at the same point of time. Even Christian scientists, and I'm not talking that funny, weird Tom Cruise religion you read about, but Christian scientists look at that, and they, they, they studied that, and they, go, they, they believe that They point to a specific origin of time, space, matter, where everything came together. Everything began from a specific point. There's a word, scientists call it singularity. It is a beginning point. I can tell you when that took place. It's when God said. (laughs) It's in the beginning God created our space continuum. He created time, space, and matter because he is not bound by time, space, or matter. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Spirit of God moved and God said, let there be, and there was. Hebrews 11 puts it this way, verse number 3, through faith. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. His word is powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. <laughs> Woo, man. The word of God says through faith. And we know faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Through faith we understand that the worlds were not framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. God said and there became. God created and there was. Because Ecclesiastes 8 and 4, where the word of a king is, there is power. Can I tell somebody this morning, God's word still has the power to create. God's word still has the power over time, space, and matter. I feel like preaching for a few minutes. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Rightly dividing, rightly piercing, but it still has the power to create. If you need a blessing, God can give it. If you need a touch, God can speak it. Things which don't appear can appear at the very word of God. Don't underestimate the power of your prayer when you pray the word of God, when you pray the scripture, when you pray the blessings, when you pray the benefits. Don't ever underestimate the power of the word of God. Oh, somebody give him praise right now. <laughs> Let me put a connection. I didn't really put these, this connection together. Make this connection. Uh, this often quoted scripture uh, until this week in study. And I was like, "Woo!" I felt like dancing all by myself. Amen. Isaiah 55 and 11. Isaiah wrote this. He said, so shall. God is speaking. And Isaiah is writing. So shall my word. Be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void. Nothingness. Emptiness. There was a void. There was nothing. But God spoke a word. But God created everything. But God... And he said, it shall accomplish that which I please. Praise God. Before time, space, and matter all began, God was. <laughs> his word was. But when his word came forth, big bang, something happened. <laughs> Praise God. In the beginning, everybody say beginning. God created Created, that, that's a Hebrew word, bara. It's to form from nothing. There's this word, this phrase we use, out of nothing, nothing comes. Out of nothing, nothing comes. But God can speak to nothing and make something. He can tell a little widow woman, hey, uh, you just pour that oil out of that vessel. And it's just going to keep on pouring. You just make that little meal and that little cake, and then you just you're gonna always have. 
Because he's not bound by time, space, and matter. But time, space, and matter is in his control. The Latin phrase, if you want to know the Latin, you can sound really educated this morning. Ex nihilo nihil fit. Ex nihilo nihil fit. Out of nothing, nothing comes. Only God can create something from nothing. Some of us were nothing. But God made something. <laughs> John 1 and 3, all things, i got to hurry, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He created all things. Isaiah 44 and 24, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by Myself. He's God all by Himself. Nehemiah 9 and 6, Thou, even Thou art Lord alone, Thou hast made heaven. The heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, and thou hast preserved them, all that of heaven worships thee. If you just want to know, and I, I may bring this in next week, I'm working on another message, maybe Wednesday night, we'll see if God, whatever God wants, but if you want to know about your origins, where you came from, let me tell you why you came to where God brought you. You were made and created to worship him. I know where I came from, but I know why, too. I got a purpose for my life. I came to glorify. I was made to give Him praise. I was made to give Him glory. I was created to worship Him. One of the reasons why and I, nothing can satisfy like the gift of the Holy Ghost, but can I tell you, nothing can satisfy your life until you realize the fulfillment or the purpose in your life and for your life. The reason they out there have all this stuff and yet nothing satisfies is because they are not fulfilling the purpose in which they were created. I was created to praise. I was created to worship. I wasn't created to have nice things. I was created to worship God. Well, hallelujah. Isaiah 66 and 1, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is thy throne, and the earth is my footstool. Psalms 139 and 14, I, was, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I did not evolve from an amphibious being. I didn't evolve from a monkey. Now, I've known some people and their kids, and maybe they acted like it. <laughs> praise the Lord. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. In the image of God you were made. Acts 17, 25. Neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. God created all things. Revelations 1 and 8. Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega. The first letter in the Greek alphabet and the last letter in the Greek alphabet. He said, I'm everything to begin. To the end. I'm the beginning, I'm the ending, and I'm everything in between. Which is, which was, and which is to come. The Almighty. Verse 11, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first, the protos, superlative prototype. <laughs> Supernatural prototype. I'm a God that transcends your problem. I'm a God that transcends everything you know to exist. Before everything in this universe existed, I was. And after everything ends, I'll still be. I'm the proto-superlative prototype. And I'm the last. Eschatology says I'm the superlative farthest you can go. Some argue that everything that exists is simply due to chance. 
I don't have time to get into the one and tenth to the hundred and twenty-third power. You have to add 123 zeros after a ten. Let me, let me tell you how, how the, the odds are stacked so, so against people that, that are agnostic and, and deny God's creative power. The, 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 the odds are so far against them. There's just, it's, it's, um, it's, not, it's astronomical. It's not even astronomical. It's beyond that. If you took a second, how many seconds do we have? One, two, three. If you go back to that beginning of point in time when God created everything, you would have one in the tenth power to eight, 18 after the tenth. 18 zeros. That's how many seconds are in since the beginning of time. Seconds. One, two, three. 18, 10 to the 18th power. Do you understand that? That's 18 zeros. For, for creation to happen by circumstance, you would need 10 to the 123 power. 123rd power. It's like, the, let me give you, okay. Our, our finite minds can't really, I can't. Your finite mind probably can't. I'm not a math major. I'm a social studies. I'll talk, I'll talk about the history of it, okay, and not the math. But let, let me just, for the sake of, you know, the history people in the room, I know I got a couple of historians. How about this? If you took the Texas, the state of Texas, and you covered the, the entire state of Texas with nickels, nickels, little nickels, a thousand feet deep of nickels, and every nickel was a regular nickel except somewhere in that state of nickels was one red nickel. Number one, it would take you a million years to walk every square inch of Texas. It would, to walk one time, it would take you a million years to walk every square inch, to look at every square inch. A thousand feet deep. The odds of you walking through Texas and going, oh, right here, about 745 feet down, right here on the square inch, there's a red nickel down there somewhere. The odds of you finding that are about what it took the odds of this universe just happening. In other words, it didn't just happen. <laughs> because the premise, <laughs> everything that exists had a cause. And the universe exists. Therefore, the universe has a cause. We know who the cause is. His name is Jesus. He's God Almighty. Let me give you another one. If you took all the material, all the metal, not the engine, but all the pieces, but all the metal, all the material for a 747 jet, you put it in a building and a big, huge earthquake came and it shook up all the pieces. And at the end of the earthquake, you had a perfectly good, ready-to-go 747 airplane. That is more likely to happen than everything that has happened in this universe. Oh, by the way, then I'd ask you one question. Where'd you get the material? Like the agnostic, the atheist, and the preacher were talking. And, and agnostic said, hey, we're creating all kinds of things. We're, we're, we've, we're, we're on, we've created protein. We're, we're like on the verge of creating life, but we haven't got there yet. But we're, we're creating all these things from dirt. And he goes, and Pastor, okay, go, well, here, let me show you how we do it. He said, well, hey, hold on a second. Go get your own dirt. Make your dirt. Because everything that exists has a cause. How about another one? If you were on the moon and you could throw a dart, you understand what an atom is? 
You've heard of the atomic bomb, the atom. Do you know how small an atom is? On the tip of your dart, there's, there's, there's thousands, millions of there's atoms. There's like a, a lot, okay? Because an atom is small. This is for example. An atom <laughs> to an orange, if I was holding an orange, an atom is so small compared to an orange, it's the same, same um, uh, ratio as an orange is to the world. So if I'm holding an orange and you compare that to how big our planet Earth is, that's, that's the same comparison of a little atom to just an orange. So if you were to take a dart and throw it from the moon and it went through space and defied gravity and came down and it hit another atom, on the specific atom on the Earth, we're talking that's, that's the kind of chance by chance to create this, for everything to work like it. That's the kind of chance. Oh, but, but by the way, you have to do it blindfolded. And you have to do it 150 million times without missing. That's the odds you're looking at. Let me give you some more. The earth is 23.5, has a 23.5 degree of tilt. But the, very, the smallest, the slightest change in the tilt of the earth, no life on planet earth. 93 million miles from the sun. You're just a little closer, a little, little further, no life on planet earth. I could go on and on and on, but I ain't got time. There's a good book called... Um, Oh, my mind, I'm getting old. On Guard by William Craig. If you, if you, it's a good book. If you, if, you like, if, you, if you like this kind of stuff, you, you'll, you'll lose yourself in it. It's a great book, though. I highly recommend it. I think it's one of the better uh, as far as apologetics. That's not saying I'm sorry. So wives, don't buy that to your husband thinking it's going to help him say he's sorry. <laughs> it's not what apologetics means, all right? means being able to give a defense. I mean, you know, the Bible tells us we should get, have an answer. We should be able to give an answer. You may not be as able to give a complete answer. You may have to say, hey, I'm going to find the answer. But we should have to be able to give an answer. I'm trying to help somebody with an answer this morning. I'm giving you an answer. His name is Jesus. <laughs> He's the creator of all things. Genesis 1 and 16, God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. If the sun, if we were any closer or further from the sun, no life. And if the moon was any further or, clo or closer or further and, and the tides were, it didn't control the tides, no life either. Interesting, he made this both sun and the moon. Did you know in the bloodstream you have 3.4% salt flowing? Did you know the oceans have 3.4% salt I don't have time to get into the salt covenant, but how about this? Let me just share this. Luke 14, salt is good, but if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be saved? It's not good for anything. In other words, there's no life. You take the salt out of there, there's no life. Your body or the ocean? No life. Imagine. See, everything in the universe points to there being a transcendent God. A God who was already existing before time, space, and matter in which we exist. Romans 1 and 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Wow. I got I to gotta hurry. I'm, I'm trying to hurry. Hope y'all are enjoying this little lesson today. Plato said evidences in the universe of design and purpose require a universal designer. Even the Greek philosopher Plato and Aristotle after him said there, there has to be an intelligent design. They didn't understand who he was. But they said there, there has to be an intelligent design. Charles Darwin, who many agnostics look to, 
Charles Darwin later wrote, you know, he's the one that came up with all this evolution and stuff. He said, reason tells me of the extreme difficulty or rather impossibility of conceiving this immense and wonderful universe, including man with his capa- uh, capability of looking far backwards and far into the future as the result of blind chance. It couldn't be blind chance. It doesn't make any sense, he said. Or necessity. Chance, necessity, or design had to be designed. When thus reflecting, don't you love how they used to write? When thus reflecting, I feel compelled to look to a first cause. A first cause. Having an intelligent mind. In some degree analogous to that of man. We're made in his image. He gave us a mind to think and to reason. You know, Einstein's put it this way. I'm, 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 I'm having fun teaching this just right now, so just give me a minute. I'm going somewhere. I may just have to. I haven't preached in a week and a half, Elder, so I'm, I'm, I've been saving up. Einstein said, isn't it curious? Isn't it curious that a universe has people in it that question why we are able to think about how and where we came from and how we were created. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Einstein would later say, hey, it's probably because there's an intelligent design. There is a God. There is a first cause. There has to be a first cause because everything that exists has a cause. 1926, a guy by the name of Edwin Hubble. Everybody heard of the Hubble telescope out in space taking pictures? He's credited as being the first to argue that the universe has a beginning or had a beginning and has been. He wasn't the first to argue that had a beginning, but it's two part. Had a beginning and that the universe is expanding. So if it's expanding and fine tuning, there's a theory called fine tuning. If it's expanding and it's growing, then if you put it in reverse, would it not also be true that if you went back far enough in time and put reverse, remember the old cassette tape we used to do reverse? Brother, he was showing the CDs and the stuff. I remember that. I remember 8-track, for crying out loud. 8-track and the, the cassette tape. If you were to put the universe in reverse, it would go all the way back to a singular point of time, space, and matter where it all began. It would go back to a first cause, God. In the beginning, God. Interesting. I don't. I guess Hubble never really read Genesis one and one. <laughs> He's like, it's amazing. It's like you look at the universe and you you track the stars and everything moving around, and you look at it. And he goes, it's amazing. It's like everything had a beginning at some point. That was only written and documented like four thousand years ago. Good job. Way to go. Back in the 70s, there were a couple of scientists, they were these Scientologists, they were uh, listening to all the, the, the noises in space. It's a little different this morning, I know. But they, were, they were listening to the noises, and they're like, are there aliens out there? Are, are we alone? Are there creatures? I don't know, I saw Elvis in a UFO, so at least that's what Ray Stevens sang about, I don't know. Any Ray, Ray Stevens fans in here? All right, good. Three people. You, you know, you caught that one. No, I didn't see Elvis in a UFO as a song, as a joke. But 
But they were listening. They were tuning into frequencies in space, and they came across a very low-level hum. Hum. And they're like, oh, we're not alone. And they started studying the frequencies in the hum. And do you know what they realized? They found out what it was, and they, 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 scientifically they proved it what it was. Do you know what they was? They said, it is the residue of light. It was the residue, if you go far enough back in time, when every, we talked about the universe expanding, it, it is the noise that, is that has been created by an expanding universe. And they went, oh, it's the sound, the remnant from the beginning. Both of them have since believed that uh, there's a first cause. <laughs> The sounds of the universe still reflect the glory. Everything in the universe was created to worship and should be a reflection. Wow. But Paul wrote in Romans, and man, I got, oh man, I've gone 24 minutes. Give me a couple. Can I have a few more minutes this morning? I'm going to take them whether you give them to me or not. So you might as well raise your hand. Romans, I've been saving up all two weeks. Romans 1 and 20, for the invisible things of him. Paul's writing and he's talking, he's writing here and he's going to, there's some people that re have rejected God, right? They've rejected the, the idea of who he is and his power. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead. I mean, you just look at everything that exists and you can say, wow. By his eternal power in Godhead. So that they are without excuse. They don't have an excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Well, I think that the universe is... There is such a mountain of evidence against chance or necessity that it was just needed for the universe to, to, to be created. That there was just, the universe was just needed to happen, so it just happened. It makes no sense. There's no logic to it. Well, there's no truth to it. This world, as I've said it again, Brother Rojas, we were talking about it. This world is, is full of knowledge, but starving for truth. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed bees and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Sounds like this generation, does it not? And then he says, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator? Who is blessed forever. Amen. So I ask this question. Why do you think it is that some reject God's sovereign and eternal existence? And I, I think I have an answer for you. I ask the question. Why is it that some reject his eternal sovereignty? I believe that to admit that God created the universe. And to admit. To acknowledge his eternal sovereignty. His et eternality would bring responsibility and submissiveness to God's authority. <laughs> One agnostic said, I choose to decry, I choose to refute 
an eternal God so that I might live the way I want to live and do whatever I want to do. Well, there you go. Foolish. There was a pastor. He passed away in the late 50s, so this is some time ago. He was walking down Market Street in San Francisco. And his name was Harry Ironsides. I don't know if you ever read about him. Interesting guy. Harry Ironsides was, was walking down Marcus Street, and there was an agnostic, an atheist. They walked to him and said, hey, I want to I debate. Pastor Ironsides was kind of known for discussing and having discussions about the creation and, and where everything came from. And, and, the, and this, uh, <clears throat> this agnostic said, I want to debate next Sunday. It was, they were, he was walking on, it was on a Sunday afternoon. And Pastor Ironsides said, okay, love to do that. Be happy to do that on two conditions. Two conditions. The agnostic atheist said, sure, what are they? He said, number one, I'm paraphrasing, but this is because he didn't, you know, this is 70 years later. Pastor Ironside said, uh, number one condition, first condition is, I want you to go find somebody, and you're going to bring two people with you next week. Just find, but the first one you're going to bring, I want you to go find somebody that has been addicted to alcohol or some other drug. And I want you to find somebody that denounced Christ, no longer believes in God, and said because of their conversion to agnosticism or atheism is now a, has been healed or delivered from their alcoholism. And the second one is, I want you to go find, and I'll clean it up a little bit. He goes, I want you to go find a woman of ill repute who denounced God, denounced Christ, and said, no longer a Christian, no longer a believer, and that changed their life. Their life was transformed, and now that God brought, he goes, because I'll bring over 100 with me next week that'll say, I didn't used to believe, but God. Do you know that debate never happened? How many atheists out there have been transformationally changed by a transcendent God? Can't find them. There's no hope in that. And it's foolish to believe anything like that. Hello. But we have truth on our side. Praise God. We worship a transcendent God who created time, space, and matter. It is not limited by time, space, and matter. And i got to hurry. I'm going somewhere. I hope I, didn't, I haven't lost you. God is not subject to or limited by time. Hebrews 13 and 8, I quoted it. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3 and 6. I am the Lord, I change not. God never gets old. <laughs> I told somebody this week, I said, getting old ain't for sissies. <laughs> I, I just turned just a little bit the other day. Matter of fact, Brother Pearson and I were having, having a dinner and, and uh, I was at the restaurant and I turned just to turn out of the booth and my knee just, I didn't feel it pop or anything. Just, oh man, it hurt. Like two or three days this week, I was just like, oh man, I, what'd you do? I got up. <laughs> were you playing ball? I was eating. You can't even eat and not get hurt when you get old. <laughs> yeah, so sit down and get and eat, right? Like, man, never had that happen before. <laughs> get ready for it, right? Revelations 1 8, I quoted, but I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. God is not bound by time. God is eternal. He controls time. 
Matter of fact, in Joshua chapter 10, I was going to have them read it. I, I, just, I, don't, I, I don't have time to read it, but I'll give you just a little bit. Joshua, they're at battle, and he prays and asks God. And for the, for the, he's like, we're running out of daylight here. We got the enemy on the run. And, we, we got, and so the Bible says the sun stood still in the midst of heaven. You understand, scientists say if that happened, there would be no life on earth. Everything would stop but God. He's like, watch this. I'll stop time. I'll turn it back 10 degrees. And there won't be a single thing happen other than my people will be blessed. Why? Because I'm not controlled by time. I made the stuff. I created it. I'll work with it. In Isaiah 38, Hezekiah was sick unto death. That means he's going to die. I love that old English. He was sick unto death. He was dying. He prayed. He turned his face against the wall. He prays. The prophet walks out. Turns right, hope he didn't twist his knee. He turned right around and walked back in. He said, God just told me he's going to give you 15 more years of life. Hezekiah says, well, God, can, great. Can you tell God that I want, a, I want a sign? So he turned the sundial of Ahaz again, 10 degrees backward. God's not bound by time. He controls the stuff. God's not subject to or limited by space. You see, I can only be in one place at one time. Have you ever asked yourself this question? You're driving down the road or you're spending some time in prayer and you're praying and you feel the Holy Ghost moving, you're the presence of God. You're like, I feel sorry for people over in China because I'm feeling God's with me right now. Okay, good. I'm, I saw like three people go like this over here. Anybody on this side? Maybe us three, we're like just, we were just weird. I don't know. I, I've thought that thought, Elder. I've thought that thought. Like, I feel that like God's moving in our service this morning. The Holy Ghost is moving. God's moving. God's ministering. I've seen, and God's healing. I'm like, man, I'm so glad God's here. You see, because I can only be in one place at one time. But the Bible says God is omnipresent. He is present everywhere. He's not bound by space. He can be in the United States. He can be in Russia. He can be in uh, Argentina. He can be in Brazil. He can be in España. He can be in Mexico. At the same time. In the same place. Answering prayers of different people. Proverbs 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Beholding the evil and the good. Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. I don't care what time it is. I don't care what, where you are, the situation. God is there. And he's able to hear. He's able to see. And he's able to do something about our situation. Isaiah 55 and 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are your thoughts, or than your thoughts. He's not bound by space. He's not limited by time. Oh, Jesus, had you been here, Lazarus would still be alive. I am the resurrection and the life. Where do you think his life came from? Who do you think made the rocks? Who made the world? Jesus.
Jesus, you know the story, Lazarus dies. Oh, Mary and Martha. And I'm not trying to be little, but I mean, they were in mourning. I had a loved one. So, brother, I get it. Here comes Jesus. He's going to live again. Oh, we know he's going to live again at the last day. But God, Jesus, had you been here four days? He's been dead. You just tarried too long. You took too long to answer our prayers. So, How many of us have prayed, God, you just took too long? I don't know if it could happen. Oh, ye of little faith. Why was he crying? He's probably, I think he was, Jesus wept. I think he was weeping because they didn't have an understanding of who he is. He says, Lazarus. After he said, roll the, roll the stone away, you've got to remove the stone from whatever's blocking you from your miracle. And I feel like there's a miracle in the house this morning. I preach this whole message. I'm going to preach the next five minutes. I believe there's a miracle in the house this morning. I believe somebody can receive their miracle this morning. He said, you've got to roll the stone away. And then he spoke, Lazarus, there's power in the word of God. There's life and creative life in the word of the Lord. He said, Lazarus, come forth. You need to understand when you pray in the name of Jesus. He said in Colossians 3, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you pray in Jesus, you are speaking the word of life into the situation. Lazarus, come forth. Here comes Lazarus and he says, loose him. Let him go. Wow. Why did they learn? He was never bound. Jesus was never bound by time or space. (laughs) He's not limited by matter either. Do you remember the story about Jesus spitting, made some mud balls, put them in the eye sockets of a blind man? He said, go wash the pool of Siloam. You guy washed. He's blind all his whole life. And now pff, he's got eyeballs where there were none. I can see. I can see. How did he do that? How, did, how was Jesus? That's why the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin court, that's why they were so angry at him. Because they're, they, they were no longer needed. <laughs> they, they were making a livelihood and income. And they're like, we'll just go straight to God. And that's why the blind, the deaf, the lame, they were all coming. The multitudes were coming to Jesus, and they were mad about it. They couldn't do that. But God can. God's not bound by time, space, or matter. Man with the withered hand didn't matter. (laughs) He said, stretch forth thy hand. And it was made as whole, just like the other one. Because he controls matter. It doesn't control him. Can I tell you, his word matters. I, I'm going, I am going to read this. I, I know I've gone long. Please forgive me. And when Jesus was entered in Matthew 8 and 5, entered at Capernaum, or Capernaum, however you want to pronounce it, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered to, and said, Lord, Jesus, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, 
having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed. He turns around to all of his followers, disciples, all of them. He says, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. It took a centurion, a soldier with great faith that said, Jesus, just speak the word. Because I understand there's power in the word of a king. He can change the time. He can change the situation. He can change what's going on. He can take a broken foot and heal it. He can take a blind man and heal him. He can take a sickness and cure it. He's the great physician. He can take cancer and remove and deliver it. Why? He's a miracle working God. He's a transcendent God. Oh, somebody give him praise. This is so powerful. I, I, got, I got so many examples I don't have time. But I just, can I give you just a couple? He's not, he's not bound by matter. <laughs> the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they run back. They go to tell the disciples, we just, had, we just broke bread with Jesus. I was just preaching about it on that road to Emmaus a couple weeks ago. Hey, we just broke bread with Jesus. Wasn't that, he's alive. He's alive. Well, well. And all of a sudden, the doors are locked. Doors are closed. And Jesus appears. Physical matter cannot keep him from getting where he wants to go. See, I don't know if they'll ever get the revelation. There's nothing physical <laughs> that can keep God from giving the revelation of who he is to somebody that wants and is seeking an answer. Mount's tra uh, Mount Transfiguration. The transcendent God was transfigured. Because he's not bound by time, space, or matter. They see him in the physical. God in the flesh. God manifested in the flesh. Jesus is there. And Jesus ascends up into the cloud. And then... <sighs> Where did he go? He's the same as he's always been. Yeah. He's just... Not bound by time, space, or matter. <laughs> this, is so good. Oh, this is shout material right here. First Corinthians 15. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. One, there's coming a day we're not going to be bound by time, space, or matter either. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? God is greater. Yes, yes, yes. See, uh, this body's getting older. I didn't say old. It's just older. I can feel it. I'm 51 years young. Hallelujah. Come on. With the, by the mercy of God, I pray God gives me many more years if he tarries. I believe, God's go, I, I believe we're going to see the end time. I believe we are in the last days. But I'm 51. 
And if God tarries and gives me more years, this body at some point will go by the way of the grave. But my soul that is inside. <laughs> and a lot of people don't realize it, but your soul is not bound by time, space, or matter either. Because it came from God. God breathed into Adam. He became a living soul. Your soul is going to transcend time. In other words, your soul is going to transcend the life that you're living now. And at some point, your soul is going to spend eternity either in heaven or hell. And the greatest miracle is that a soul is saved to live and reign with Christ forevermore. Somebody shout amen. See, we serve a God that is a transcendent God. He's not limited by time, space, a matter of Psalm 72 and 18. And I'm, I'm closing. Musicians come. Psalm 72 and 18. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous or supernatural, is what I'm saying, supernatural things. God is the only one that is not bound by time, space, or matter. God is the only one that can perform a miracle. I've seen miracles in the church. I've seen broken hands. I've seen broken feet. I've seen esophaguses that were filled with cancer. God healed. They went back in and their esophagus was, they said it looked like baby. This was somebody that was older. Matter of fact, Sister Christy, God healed your mother of esophagus cancer. Went back in. Pure, looked like baby tissue in there. God can do it. I said God can do it. And if you need something from the Lord, God's a miracle working God. Praise the Lord. Psalm 77, thou art the God that does wonders or the supernatural. God is a miracle working God. He's not bound by the things that limit us because they don't limit him. I'm trying to help somebody's faith this morning. Matthew 19 and 26. With God, all things are possible. So what's a miracle? A miracle is an event that happens in contradiction to natural laws and processes. A miracle is an event that happens in contradiction. In other words, it's not a miracle is something, it's the supernatural. It's something that goes beyond the natural. Think about that. Jesus is transfigured. He's going up this way, defying the very law of gravity that he created because it doesn't control him. Your situation does not limit him. Your faith is the only thing that can limit what God can do in your situation. Jesus himself went back to where he was raised and it did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. But Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, the hall of faith, says now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence Before time, space, and matter, God was. And your faith, when you, get the, when you get faith and you start feeding your faith, you're like, hey, God, you're bigger than my problem. You're bigger than my circumstance. You're not limited. I can't do it by myself, but God can. I, I may be limited in my situa situation and circumstance, but God. But God is still a miracle-working God. And I know I preach longer than I normally do, and I apologize for that. As we stand together in this place, I came to preach this right here. I want you to get this. I'm telling you this morning, God is a miracle-working God. 
He is still a transcendent, a supernatural God. All power in heaven and in earth. All power in space and matter. If it's a thing, he's got power over it. If it's a thought, he's got power over it. Now faith. Now faith is the substance. And I just believe if you've got that kind of faith this morning, hey, God, you're a, you're a miracle-working God. Doctor said, but you're not limited by that. My situation says this. Everything's looking grim. I don't have this. I don't have. But God, you're not limited by my finances. But God, you're not limited by my condition. And I just wonder, is they going to play and they're going to sing? I wonder if there's anybody that's looking for a miracle. If there's anybody in the house wants to step out and say, God, I believe you're well able to help me in this situation. I feel like I've been bound. I feel like I've been imprisoned by this certain situation. I feel like I've been imprisoned by this. I've been, I'm confined to this time, space, and matter, this time in my life. I'm confined in this situation. I've got this going on. I feel the walls are closing in. But God, you're greater than all this. This, There's nothing too hard for God. Do y'all believe that this morning? There's nothing too hard for God. Is He not still a miracle-working God? So as they play, begin to say, I wonder if anybody in the house, anybody believe He's a miracle-working God? I wonder if you believe, if you believe God can still do the impossible, that with God all things are possible. He's a supernatural God. He's a transcendent God. Amen. If you believe that, I wonder if you'd like to step out, maybe come and lift up your hands and just begin to call on His name, Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're able to heal. Jesus, I I believe you're able to provide. Jesus, I believe you're able to give the miracle in this house. God, I believe that you're well able right now, God, to save, to heal, to deliver, to meet the needs in this place. God, you're still a miracle working God.